Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Bodie and I am your host and it has been a while. And uh, as a matter of fact, I think I haven't recorded anything since the beginning of September. And let me tell you why. Um, And I feel really bad about this, sort of. So on September 1st, uh, I was hanging out with my kids. We went to the doctor's office very early in the mornings and my son had to have a blood draw. And then um, we went to the, uh, they had their appointment after the blood draw. And then it turns out they had to get shots. And we didn't think they were going to have to have a blood draw or shots. I have twins. So um, it was a very long morning. We get home. Um, my wife calls. it. We got to the doctor's office like 8 in the morning. And we got home at like noon. Uh, my wife calls and she's like, hey, how's everything going? And we're chatting. And I'm pulling into the garage, and I scraped the side of my garage, and I, you know, screwed up the side of my car, which was great, because I did $1,300 worth of damage, which I had to pay mostly for out of pocket. And um, so that, that that's kind of the start of my day. Um, August 11th, which happened to be my dad's birthday, he had quadruple bypass surgery, came out of that okay, decided he didn't want to stay in the hospital and was going to go and live with my sister, who live or stay with my sister and recover. And she lives in a extremely small town with limited access to doctors. Uh, anyway, on September 1st, later that evening, I was talking to my sister and my dad wasn't feeling well, so I didn't talk to him. But I was talking to my sister probably 9.30 at night, I'm guessing, getting ready to record the show. It was just before I was going to record, I was talking with her, everything seemed to be okay, but my dad wasn't feeling well, and we were just kind of chatting about him and his medical expenses and all the other stuff that goes with all that stuff when you have quadruple bypass surgery, which is not cheap. Um, At 11 o'clock, my sister called me and told me my dad died. So that's why I haven't been here, because my dad passed away. Um, I happen to know, uh, I was a volunteer in the town that I grew up in, right out of high schools, and a lot of the people I went to high school with are now firefighters in the town I grew up in, so I happen to know uh, at least two of the members, I think, one for sure, um, but I think two of the members that were on uh, my dad's uh, code, and I really appreciate those guys. Um, I have to go back to my hometown, and I'm going to stop in and tell them how much I appreciate it in person, uh, because 
working a code is a lot of stress. And I know for sure one of my friends was a childhood friend who was also, I wouldn't say close to my dad, but knew my dad from a very young age until he was an adult. He was He's a little younger than me, uh, this guy. So it is really hard um, to work a code with the family in the house um, who's upset, rightfully so. But then on top of that, when you know the family and you went to school with the family and you know the like my family used to vacation with this guy's family. We they owned an island, not they aren't rich. Uh, you know, it's a very small island, but they or a piece of land. I guess I don't know if it's technically an island, but they own this very small piece of land with a bunch of other family members, and we used to go there on vacation. Um, it was I, I had a lot of fun when I was a kid hanging out with these people, and I considered them to be very close friends of mine, even though we haven't chatted in a while. Um, but yeah, so my dad passed away, and that was kind of, uh, not gonna lie, it wasn't like totally, like, whenever you have something as serious as a quadruple bypass surgery, and then you go home. Uh, that's not necessarily uh, a bad thing if you live in an area where you have access to hospitals and you know you can have a the fire department at your house in like two minutes uh in my sister's case you know the fire department's quite a bit away quite a ways away so anyway i don't want to bum you guys out uh but uh yeah that's why i haven't been here through most of september we haven't even had the memorial yet because i've got to fly back next weekend and we got to do the memorial but um on top of that um, on top of crashing my car, my wife was out of town for a couple of days for a conference, which, you know, good for her because she's going to, uh, uh, it helps her career, which I'm happy that that was the case. It was just kind of bad timing. It was the Friday before she left. And then when I think it was the Friday before she left, it was real close when my dad passed away. And then, um, in the last, like, uh, when I got off work on Friday morning, um, I had worked something like, a, if you include training, I had a one-week training class. If you include training time, I worked over 180 hours in two weeks, and I took 48 hours of vacation time in that time and still worked that many hours. So it was, um, September was a blur, and it was exhausting. Um, I would look at stories, and I'd be like, okay, I'm going to record the podcast, and honestly, um based on a lot of things, not just my dad passing away, but based on a lot of things, I just get overwhelmed and was not able to, I didn't feel like I was able to do a good show. And it hasn't been until recently, like, I literally, when I got off work on Friday, um, well, I did training, actually, I did training until four, picked up my kids, I went to bed at seven, I was asleep by eight, and I slept till 6.30 in the morning, took a nap on Saturday, as did my whole family, and then, um, I went to sleep uh, like maybe 2 o'clock in the morning because I had a bunch of stuff to do. I'm studying for a promotional exam. And then um, today when I woke up about 8, I my wife let me sleep in, which was nice of her. I literally um, went to a birthday party, came home, and my family took a nap. Like, it has been an exhausting month, and I finally feel kind of like a human. Um, but uh, there's more to come, lots more. Lots more uh, excitement, lots more things to do. October is going to be uh, quite a bit easier, but there's still a lot to do, especially towards the end of the year. I got more training and stuff like that. And uh, like I said, a promotional exam. So that leads me to shorter episodes. Until I'm done with my promotional process, 
which could take um, the test is October 9th, but then there's a practical part and that hasn't been scheduled yet that could take anywhere between two to three, six weeks, something like that. It, we don't know until they schedule all the stuff, the promotional stuff. Um, so th these episodes are just going to be shorter because uh, if, and granted, I've just talked for seven minutes, um, but if I had to do the research for what I would normally consider a longer show, I would, um, I, ju I just can't do that and study and take care of my kids and be a husband and go to work. It's too much. So these episodes until all that stuff's complete for our uh, promotional test stuff's complete, it will be a little bit shorter. And then on the weeks when I'm training, uh, which I do some training in November, got some more training the week after that in November, and then some training in December, and then I'm pretty much done. I have to take a test in September to get a certification, not September, excuse me, January to get a certification. So um, definitely after January, I'll be done and looking to go on a very long vacation because this has been a really, it's been a really good year, but uh, there's been some really crappy parts to it too. Anyway, so let's start, shall we? Shall we? I fire up the old iPad here. Good notes. Okay. First car, uh, first, <laughs> first car, first report, first story from John Volkler at Green Car Reports. A few weeks ago or more, we talked about the 2017 Chrysler Pacifica hybrid being recalled due to a faulty diode. Uh, apparently, that's been fixed. Um, but for those who don't know, the Pacifica, the Chrysler Pacifica is a plug-in hybrid. It's got a range of 33 miles, and then it kicks over to the gasoline part of the car. But it's a plug-in hybrid. Uh, but the 2018 model is out, and I assume they're gonna f they have fixed that diode. But based on what I've seen, it's pretty much like the 2017 um, model with an updated diode. Uh, some of the issues owners of the 2017 Pacifica were having were battery issues, and it would just shut off in traffic, which is no good. But I own a 2017 Chrysler Pacifica. I know I don't have the um, electric model. And the reason why is uh, when I purchased mine, which was in June of last year, they said, oh, it's coming soon. And I've heard this before about, like, the Volkswagen diesel, which ended up having, you know, its own set of problems that we've talked about. Um... But I didn't want a gas car, I wanted a diesel car when I purchased my Volkswagen. But I waited for like two years for them to figure out that whole, what they were going to do with the U.S. and the Volkswagen diesel. And then I just ended up buying a gas car. The same thing happened. Is like I knew the Chrysler Hybrid was coming out. I really wanted the Chrysler Hybrid because you get the $7,500 tax credit. Unfortunately, um, they couldn't give us a really good timeline when it was going to come out. And then on top of that, um, you know, it's one of those things where it may never come out. So that's kind of where, um, but I, I highly recommend that car. And if you can afford the hybrid, I would highly recommend getting the hybrid because it is, uh, the car itself is very nice, but the, the ability to go 33 miles, which would be, I'd be able to drop my kids off from school, run errands, come home, charge, and then go back and pick my kids up. And I'd never have to be um, on gasoline. It would be all, all electric, which would be pretty fantastic. Next up, um, Michael or Matt, excuse me, D'Angelo at Tesla Roddy. 
Tesla released the Model 3 Emergency Response Guide, um, and that gave some details on what to do in the event of emergency. If you don't know what the Emergency Response Guide is, it's for firefighters, police officers, and EMTs, mostly firefighters, to be honest, on how to um, handle this car in the event of emergency. So, for instance, um, Let's see, there's more and more of these come, getting on the road, on the road, and we really haven't had as firefighters the opportunity to, um, or I haven't had the opportunity to cut on these in an extrication. There's a lot of, you know, uh, you don't know where the wiring harnesses are necessarily. You don't want to cut into the battery with the tools or you don't want to squeeze the battery with the, um, well, uh, oh, good God, the spreaders. We have spreaders that will, uh, you, you would probably know them as the jaws of life, but basically they open up and you can rip off a door or you can lift a car up off a person with them or you can, or off of anything, just get, get a little uh, distance. You can roll a dash with it. These spreaders are pretty powerful, but you can also pinch with them. So you don't want to put the spreaders in um, into like the door uh, right by the... <laughs> <laughs> right underneath the patient. Like sometimes you have to, geez, I'll do them. Sound like a moron. Sometimes if somebody's in the back seat and their feet are, are squished underneath the driver's seat, sometimes you have to pop the front seat up so that the person in the back can get out. And sometimes the person in the back isn't really even that, that injured. They just ha can't get out because of the way that the car is kind of squished. But what you don't want to do is you don't want to start an electric car with the battery and somebody trapped, you don't want to start prying and cutting and squeezing on something that could cause um, an explosive or a, um, man, a, you don't want to do that on something that could cause a fire. I don't want to say explosive, but you don't want to do that on something that could catch on fire because now you are working um, very quickly and you have a very short amount to get time to get that person up out Otherwise, you know, there's nothing else that you can do, and they're just going to be in there while you watch it burn, which is a terrible feeling. I've never experienced that, but I would imagine it's a terrible feeling. So the guide goes over no-cut zones, like I was talking about, uh, for removing people out of the car when we have to use um, extrication tools. Like I said, some people call them the jaws of life. Um, it's also recommended, they also recommend full PPE, which is personal protection equipment protective equipment, which is, that's a no-brainer. Um, call for additional units in the event of a fire. Tesla says it takes approximately 3,000 gallons of water to put out one of these fires. Uh, one of the things, because the way that the lithium batteries work, and I'll have to, I haven't really dug into this, but one of the things with the lithium batteries is that um, you don't necessarily want to put water on it, um, but if you do, you put copious amounts of water on it, but it, it water has a, a reaction with lithium and it puts off a very poisonous gas. So it kind of depends on the captain and the situation. And once I get into these um, emergency response guidebooks for both, I was waiting on the Model 3. So the Model 3, the Model X, and the Model uh, S, now that those books or guides are out there, I'm going to put together a class uh, for my fellow firefighters on how to deal with this in uh, this kind of an emergency. Uh, which is n no joke, it's it's serious. But 3,000 gallons of water, to be honest, we don't need extra trucks for that unless it's like something that's on the freeway or um, in a rural area where I work because we could just tag a hydrant and we have all the water we need. 
which is, you know, convenient. Not going to lie. Let's see. But what do I know? I'm on a ladder, um, which we don't have hoses. Teslarati from, uh, this is Gene from Teslarati. Uh, Tesla may be underreporting the range of the long of the long range version of the Model 3. Tesla states the Model 3 has a range of 310 miles, but the US Environmental Protection Agency, the EPA, is putting it closer to 334 miles. And that's an 8% increase than what Tesla's reporting. So what's going on here? Well, the article goes into detail on how they came up with the numbers and I've got the link in the show notes if you wanna read that. Um, the long range model uh, three is thought to have an 80 kilowatt hour battery. So why would Tesla downplay the, the, the range of the model three? My guess is, um, is that they, they want to differentiate from their top of the line car, which is the S model S 100 D, which gets 335 miles, which is only one mile difference than the model three, which kind of makes sense. But, and that wasn't really my guess. That was the commentator's guess. I guess that was Gene's guess. But I don't think Tesla cares about, there's got to be another reason. Because I don't think they necessarily care about the range, um, the Model 3 stealing from the Model S. Because if you have the, the money to buy a P100D, you're not buying it because of the range necessarily over a Model 3. So if you're buying a Model S P100D, you're going to buy that because you want that car. If you are price sensitive, but you can still afford a long range Model 3, then you're going to buy the long range Model 3 because you're price sensitive. But if you really want a Model S for the specific reason of owning a Model S, you're just going to pay whatever the money is, you know, the $130,000, whatever it happens to be. So I don't know. Um, hopefully at the next analyst, um, uh, at the next uh, stock, man, my brain is so gone. Sorry about that. Um, stock meaning analyst, stock meaning, stock holders meaning, they'll address this when the analyst asks questions. Uh, this is from Fred Lambert at Electric. Elon Musk announced that the Tesla Semi will be revealed on October 26th, one day before you can pre-order the iPhone 10. Um, he calls it a beast and it's unreal. There's lots of rumors that there's going to also be something else at this event, something else announced. And that could be the Model Y, that could be the Tesla pickup, that could be the, you know, Tesla socks. And it doesn't have to be anything, to be honest, it's just a rumor. Um, but Tesla says at the last stockholders meeting, um, it said that it had been showing them semi-off to... Uh, potential clients and they love it and can't wait to get their hands on it now whether or not that is just elon boosting up the semi i don't know but just based off of what their other vehicles look like um, this seems to be realistic to me so overall a positive response uh this is just, just kind of a follow-up real quick this is tesla Audi, matt d'angelo if you remember last year right when i kind of started doing the podcast actually joshua brown uh, was the gentleman who was in his Hardware One Model S with the mobile eye sensor. And he was cruising, he was on the East Coast, and he was cruising down the road, and he had autopilot on, and a semi crossed the road, and he didn't see it, the autopilot didn't see it, and unfortunately he passed away. Um, there's been a lot of speculation on, you know, his family, uh, 
and I don't even know where this comes from um, because there's their car accidents and they're tragic and it's terrible. Um, but whether or not his family is going to sue Tesla or Mobileye or all of them and the semi company and the, the family just came out and they said automobile accidents happen. Um, we don't think this is the fault of Tesla. It's not the fault of Mr. Brown, which is, they would call him Joshua. Um, so, and that, I think that's a reasonable response. Like as, um, as a firefighter, I've seen, man, I don't even know how many automotive deaths and some of them are pretty gruesome and some of them seem like, wow, uh, I can't believe somebody died in this because it doesn't even seem like it's that big of a deal. Um, but automobile deaths are, are horrible and there's no doubt about it. They are terrible and tragic because there was really something that didn't have to happen to take somebody's loved one away. But trying to find, unless it's like a drunk driver or a gross negligence type thing, um, trying to find the sense in it or trying to find like the someone to blame, sometimes it's just an accident. And it's not necessarily, um, it doesn't give you comfort that it was just an accident. But sometimes accidents are just accidents and people pass away. It's terrible. And I wish it didn't happen because uh, uh, when you're on scene and you're trying to deal with that delicate uh, conversation with the family and the driver, which is usually like the father or mother, whoever's driving had passed away, that's a very uncomfortable. Like they're, they're already trying we're already trying to get them in a, a, uh, a place uh, to deal with their injuries. And then on top of that, we usually try not. We try to avoid the question the best we can, without lying, um, because it's just it doesn't help. And then later, you know, we they, they have to be told. But it's it's I don't know. The whole thing's terrible and hard. And I think this is a very mature response from the family, to be honest. So this is next one's from Fred Fred Lambert, Model Three spotting. There was a couple weeks ago they saw a Model Three in the Netherlands. Um, hello, Netherlands listeners. We have quite a few of you. Um, so earlier this month, we saw the Model 3, and now in Stuttgart, 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 I don't know, I'm going to, Germany, there's another Model 3. Hello, Germany listeners, German listeners. We have a lot of you, too. Um, but it is possible that this is the same car, and it's not two different cars. Um, the car found, spotted in Germany didn't have the aero wheels cover, so it was just a bare metal. But it makes sense. This is not something that Tesla is. Um, this is not a car that was delivered. This is something that they're testing because they're still delivering them to uh, their employees in the United States, as far as I know at this time. I don't think anybody else has received one. Um, definitely no one outside the United States. It's a funny story, though, when I was reading this, the Fred Lambert put in the article. Apparently, when the Model X was brand new, Audi bought a um, Model X and they have it had it shipped to Germany, right? Uh, well, what they didn't, what they failed to um, put together was that the charger was for a U.S. charger, not for a, a German charger. I didn't know there was a difference. I thought Tesla just had one charger, but apparently there's there's different chargers for different parts. I guess it's AC versus I don't know. You'd think they would all kind of convert at the car, but who knows? Anyway, that's not important. But what is important is an Audi engineer was driving the car and it ran, it stranded him because he ran out of electricity because he didn't have the right um, connector to charge his car or something about the car was wrong. Um, again, I'm, I'm a moron, so keep up. I'll try to keep up, not you. You guys are probably way ahead of me. 
uh, last story, Matt D'Angelo. No, it's not the last story. The second to last story, uh, Matt D'Angelo at Tesserati. Lots, lots about um, that guy wrote a lot of stuff this week. Tesla updated its Model 3 app, so Model 3 owners can now access their vehicles via uh, their Bluetooth-enabled smartphone. Model 3 owners can also access climate control, vehicle location monitoring, some the summon and valet feature from the app, which is awesome. Um, and if they're so inclined, they can they can open up the frunk and the trunk directly from the app. When that puts it on parity with the Model S and Model X owners. And this is inside EVs. Um, somebody from Evanex, which is an aftermarket accessories company. Uh, the author's name is my, Matt Pressman. It was kind of a weird whole article. is pretty weird. I don't think somebody wrote it, but they worked for the Evanex company. And then inside EVs posted it. Der Spiegel, which is a German publication, hi Germans, people, uh, says Tesla is the biggest threat to German automakers. And I, I would agree with this. This article makes a lot of really good points. So I'm going to read some stuff here directly from uh, the article. So this is uh, Matt Pressman talking about a Der Spiegel R article. Germany's top automakers have been plagued by unprecedented crisis related to cartels, collusion surrounding their beloved diesel engine technology. Now, having turned their backs on electric vehicles for years, they're facing another existential challenge. Der Spiegel reports the biggest cause for concern in the German auto industry is America is an American rival, Tesla. Founded in 2003, it has achieved what German manufacturers failed to do for years and build an electric car that many customers want. It is reported that Tesla has more than doubled its German sales in the first half of 2017 for a total of 2,000 vehicles. This is an impressive number for Germany, which lags behind other developing nations when it comes to electric cars. However, there is an inherent... Um, so that was that was the article. This is uh, Matt talking. However, there's an inherent problem when trying to fight Tesla. Unlike German automakers, Tesla does not have to worry about a massive existing internal combustion engine car business. This helps explains this helps explain Tesla's aggressive approach to marketing, which makes it seem like the company is less interested in selling cars than changing the world, um, than changing the way the world uses energy. Tesla's message surrounds sounds more convincing than the German auto industry, which constantly fluctuates between commitments to electromobility and statements of loyalty to the internal combustion engine. So essentially. Um, what Der Spiegel is saying is that German automakers better watch their back because Tesla's coming for them. And to be honest with you, all automakers should. There's an, just because they're uh, from Germany and they make wonderful cars, that does not mean that the same doesn't apply to U.S. and Japanese and Korean automakers. All Korean automakers are doing a great job. Um, and so are some of the Japanese, like Toyota. And I think Nissan is Japanese as well. Uh, anyway, the whole point is um, Tesla is a relatively young company, and they have the the connections they have to suppliers and and um, the the connections they have with, to people. They sh they sold a dream basically, and that dream was uh, buy this car and you're going to help the economy or help the uh, environment. Whereas automakers that are older, that's a kind of a that's a hard message for them to sell because they have um, internal combustion engines and those 
they have a formula for that. That's a very hard thing for them to go away from. So no judgment here, but I kind of understand uh, it puts these companies at a disadvantage. Now, if Tesla would have just, just completely screwed up the Model S, like leaving the Roadster out of it, because really the Roadster was, wasn't a wholly Tesla-created machine. It was a Lotus chassis and a bunch of other stuff. So putting the, um, the Model S when it came out, which was Tesla's baby, um, if that car had sucked, it's, it, even if it had been beautiful, but if it had sucked, then I don't think we'd be talking about electric vehicles um, the same way we're talking about them today. Tesla really needed the Model S to be a, an excellent vehicle. And they had the advantage because they weren't steeped in internal combustion engines. They weren't steeped in, like, suppliers. They didn't, like, they didn't have a supplier saying, oh, well, I see you're making electric vehicles over here. So maybe we'll have, I don't know, 70,000 less internal combustion engines for you or whatever. I don't know what the whole thing is. I'm totally talking out my butt here. Um, the whole point is uh, Tesla took a risk. They went a direction, and now everybody's following them. And it's harder for a company that has um, basically uh, – it's harder for a company that's been heading in a direction to stop and say, okay, we're going to stop, and we're going to go in the opposite direction. It's a, it's a very difficult thing to do, and it takes time. And those vehicles, those auto manufacturers are going to – eventually come around to electric because they all have made commitments to but it's going to be a very it's like turning around a big huge cargo ship it's not you know tesla's a speedboat and they can make quick quick turns eventually tesla won't be a speedboat and they're they will grow and grow and grow and they won't be able to be so nimble but for right now they're a speedboat and they can change make changes very quick whereas tesla chevy ford all these other companies they're like these big cargo ships and they're going to make the change because they have to um, not because they want to, but because they have to. But it's going to be a very long um, turn. Like they're going to, it's going to be very round and bulbous to get back to um, where Tesla is even now. And it's going to be a long time for the, before they catch up. Not to say that they can't, because anybody can. And the, the, the people at these companies are very talented and very smart. Um, but that's it for me. And, uh, yeah, that would normally be a 20-minute show, but I blathered on about my problems. Uh, let's look at how to get a hold of me so we can let you guys go. Uh, nope. Apparently I made notes in my prior show notes that I weren't doing. Um, come on. Sorry about that. Totally unprofessional and categories content. Apparently everything's out of sync. Let's start with, you can email me, Bodie at 918digital.com. You can, um, everything is blocked. Okay, here's the thing. If you want to contact me, please go to the show notes. I'll put all the information in the show notes, and you can contact me there. Uh, because my notes, they weren't, they didn't sync. I don't know why. They I've been using this forever, so maybe they upload things to the cloud when you haven't used it for a while. But anyway... So please go to um, kilowatt.bz. That is where I post um, things w about um, about electric cars, solar, the boring company, Elon Musk, 
and there's just usually if I find an article interesting because I can't talk about everything, I put it up there, and that's K-I-L-L-O-W-A-T-T dot B-Z, and the link will be in the show notes. But thank everybody for listening. Thank you for being patient, um, and thank you very much uh, for sticking with me through the month that I took off, nearly a month that I took off. I really appreciate it. It's been a really crappy month, and I'm hoping um, October is better. Uh, But everything should be back on track in October. So thanks, everybody, again for listening, and have a great week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com slash covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. warbyparker.com slash covered.